Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. Uh, if you just press play, you are missing out on 31 minutes of content that is exclusive to Patreon supporters. Uh, if you support $3 a month, you get access to stuff like that. We talked about why we didn't have an episode last week because I had COVID. Very cool. Played some video games, talked about what I played and then what I watched as well. I think I name dropped that one terrible movie I was talking about. Uh, you did, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah where, uh, where the scary things are. Worst, one of the worst movies I've ever watched. It's so funny. Um, doesn't make any sense. Uh, we also talked about the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Uh, you get to hear how Dan and I um, come come out with complicated feelings. <laughs> I, more, me more so than him, although his were uh, definitely complicated in a way too. Um, it, or contrary, I would say for him. Um, and then what else? We talked about we DC talked about, stuff. Yeah, just stuff that's making my brain melt. I'm just so the, tired of this. The big Hollywood Reporter report about the possibility of a hard reboot on the DC universe. Yeah, forget it. Just stop. <laughs> you get to hear me complain about that. Dan, explain all the details. 31 minutes of that. And uh, yeah, it's $3 a month. You get access to early uncut uh, episodes of the podcast. Pretty cool. Uh, pretty much every episode since March of 2022. So that's a lot of content you get to go to. And uh, <laughs> I there's thought you were also... going to say that um, every Patreon exclusive episode since March involves us talking about the new direction of DC. <laughs> no, mostly Ezra Miller. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, yeah, it's possible. Um, <laughs> so there's probably like four or five Ezra Miller episodes. So um, yeah, there's other benefits to supporting on Patreon. You'll hear about that as you tune in. And uh, otherwise, thanks so much if you do already support. And if not, uh go do it go do it otherwise uh we are going to talk about glass onion a knives out mystery which you and i saw early um we would have had this out last week but i was sick and dan kind of also sick so uh physically so we are just gonna do it now <laughs> I, and i had I guess, an injury to be good <laughs> before like weird phys- rumors physical get physical I ailment my shoulder and back and um this movie is not going to be out till could, let me see let me check my calendar we're we're putting this out on the 13th that movie is not going to be out till the 23rd so the weekend of christmas we are getting in early so i think if you want to be able to listen to this episode and at least hear if the movie's good or not and why we'll talk about it without spoilers up into a point. And then I'll like say, Hey, we're about to get into spoilers and I'll make that clear and give some details. Yeah. I'll make it clear that we're going into the spoilers and uh, yeah, I, I guess um, let me uh, briefly discuss with my co-hosts what we'll consider spoilers and I'll cut this out. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to we're going to step over here into the corner real quick and off to the side. And so put your fingers in your ears real quick and start whistling. So my co-host and I finished discussing in that corner over there that, you know, uh, that you that you saw us step over to. Hopefully you didn't listen to us. Um, We now know what we will not be talking about, which is some spoilers so that you're able to freely hear. We will. But if you don't want to know anything, you don't want to tune in because we will still discuss some themes. We'll discuss some of the setup and characters 
but otherwise there will be no spoilers up until a point and then we'll just get into it but uh yeah do you want to explain glass onion and then we'll get into it sure uh glass onion is a 2022 mystery film it is written directed by ryan johnson is produced by him and his uh, collaborator, Ram Bergman. It is, of course, a sequel to the film Knives Out. However, in the direction I think all of us were hoping they would take it in, uh, the only continuing thread is Benoit Blanc, played by Daniel Craig. It is a completely new cast, completely new mystery, and an interesting tidbit that I think is to the film's benefit. It, It takes place firmly during the pandemic, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, the basic premise is that Benoit Blanc is summoned to a group murder mystery, and the murder mystery is being held by an eccentric uh, rich guy, Steve Jobs type character, played by Edward Norton. And the rest of the cast is an ensemble uh, composed of tons of talented character actors. You have Janelle Monet, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Jessica Henwick, Madeline Klein, Kate Hudson, and of course, uh, batista and all of these characters have distinct uh backstories they all have sort of i don't, I don't want to call them gimmicks but they have particular angles and it seems like ryan johnson was just scrolling through the news and just picking various people out of the news who are kind of in conversation uh, based characters and all of them everyone has their own motives and reason for being there all the characters are connected in sort of interesting intricate ways that makes everyone a possible suspect but also has good reason not to be a suspect uh, it is a tangled web, and of course, Benoit Blanc is at the center of it, trying to untangle it. It is a fun mystery. It is an engaging mystery. Uh, but of course, half the fun is just watching all these extremely talented people really get to play fun characters, which sometimes I think when people hear that, they just think of scenery chewing. But I, there's a lot of uh, what I think are some deceptively understated performances here. Uh, there's one in particular that I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, everyone has moments where they get to kind of really ham it up and act goofy, but everyone also gets like interesting dramatic moments as well. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. just get to watch everyone bounce off each other and play off each other uh, in really fun and entertaining ways. And of course the actual mystery at the center is engaging, you know? Um, so I'm, I will hazard a guess and think that a decent portion of the audience will, will guess at least 60, 75% of what's going on before it is revealed. However, uh, the fun of the mystery isn't that it's completely incomprehensible. The fun of the mystery is you get to follow along, put the pieces together yourself alongside the characters, and you get to feel smart if you figure something out before the characters on the screen do. Uh, but it is very engaging, and uh, I found the end very satisfying. I thought everything comes together in a really nice way, and there's lots of fun little cameos. There's lots of funny bits, and I just love mysteries. And this was a pretty good one. I will keep watching these movies until the day I die if they keep making them. Yes. And both Daniel Craig and Ryan Johnson have said that as long as the other person is involved, they are going to be involved as well. And so um, the real mystery (laughs) is why this movie isn't getting a larger uh, theatrical release. I actually had trouble finding a good showing to see it in because all the showings looking at were either fully packed or completely sold out. And some of that might be because it's a limited release. So everyone in the know is quickly going out and seeing it. But this movie did really, really well, despite a limited theatrical release and a short window. And so Netflix, you spent like a crazy amount of money to to make the movie and get the rights to the movies. Why don't you want to make money on the movies? And so they've announced that they're actually going to do another theatrical release after the movie hits Netflix, which is like doing the right thing the wrong way. But regardless, I quite enjoyed 
Last Onion and Knives Out story. I hope they keep making them, especially if they're continuing to be at this level of quality. You may not know this, but the easiest way you can show your support for Cinematic Doctrine is to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. So press pause and share your thoughts. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And then press play again so you can hear the rest of the show. Uh, but Melvin, what did you think of Class Onion? Well, just a brief aside on the like release order. I think I recently just read Amazon's going to try and do more theater releases and stuff like that. Like they wanted to support theater going in that way. Okay. Part of the reason is because they're seeing streaming and that world not as profitable or that it's becoming less profitable. What a surprise. Uh, it's almost yeah. like there's too much right now. Now, Prime, of course, has the benefit of like, if I have Prime, I get free shipping uh, and it's quicker, but also I get to stream a bunch of stuff. Like it's a bonus. So, right. You get and you get music that. too. I don't know if you use that, but you get, it's basically their version of Spotify. I don't use it because I have Spotify, but still it's one of the best like consumer-based deals out there is Prime. But um, regardless of how you feel about the company. But I find it quite funny that the idea of making more money for Amazon is to go to movie theaters, which is perpetually not making more money. Um, So I don't know. Netflix might be doing the right idea, but who knows? Um, It was really enjoyable to see it in theaters. I'll say that. And I have a routine, though, of like going to the bathroom, sitting down, and then right before the movie starts, right before I think it's going to start, try to go to the bathroom again because movies are too long now. Um, I'm not going to go see Babylon, but I saw it was like three hours and one minute. And I'm like, come on, three what hours. who's, who's given these people the license to just make the wrong choice. <laughs> Someone asked James Cameron to, to make Avatar too shorter. Cause it's like, it's not a three hour thing. Yeah. And he like screamed at them to get out of his office or something. Yeah. So. It, it's someone make a super cut. I'm sure it'll improve the movie. Um, just cut all the chat. This stuff's ridiculous, but and to think like he didn't he shoot two and three at the same time, I not four, five and six, but like he definitely I think I heard shot those two together. So like if if this one's two and a half hours and it's got anyways, anyways, <laughs> um, because of that, I didn't get to see the Netflix logo in the movie theaters, which would have been surreal. Um, I know people that's very were confused. silly. Like I a couple of people in um a couple of people in my theater went, what? Yeah, I mean, I, the noise, everything about it. Like, yeah. And, and the way the rainbow kind of flows past you. Like, I, I missed it. I was coming into the theater for my body, my potty break. So, um, but then I sat down and, you know, the movie started. So it was fine, whatever. But it was really enjoyable to see it in theaters. Um, I had a pretty engaged uh, theater, although it wasn't very packed. I caught it sort of at the end of its week-long theatrical run. I didn't catch it in Dolby. I had original tickets for it, but I worked that Black Friday. There was no way I was going to the theater after that, especially when I got no sleep that night. Um, so it was just uh, not going to happen. I stayed home and watched Critters instead. I think that was a good trade-off. But let's talk about Glass Onion <laughs> and not all the things surrounding Glass Onion. Um, you know, before we got started, like we were trying to figure out if there was anything the two of us wanted to focus on with Glass Onion. And we couldn't because we just agreed like the movie's just good. So yeah, that was kind just, of it. Yeah. And I even proposed an angle like, hey, did you watch the um, the Poiro Kenneth Branagh movies, Murder on the Internet, Orient, and uh, Death in the Nile? And he goes, no. And I was like, okay, sideline that one. <laughs> Never mind. Because there's some parallels here, and I'll just uh, I'll get into that after I finish my brief thoughts. But yeah, it's a good movie, and it's got good characters. Um, this was the first time in a long time where uh, I would say 
like if I have to give a negative and I don't have to, but I, I but it's something to be aware <laughs> of where like the body positivity of the film was, uh, I think more stark for me. Uh, like there's just um, a lot of bathing suit wear going on and some of it's jokes and other times it's just showcasing like people's ability to, to maintain their physical. Did, did you just feel uh, bad about yourself every time they cut to Dave Batista super ripped? Is that what no, you're No, I see about? a goal there. I see like, <laughs> ah, yeah, someday. Obviously it's impossible. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's not impossible because he's doing it, but like, it's like every time you want, every time I play Batman or read Batman, I go, I have, what's the uh, dis- body dysmorphia where I'm like, I'll never get that. It's like, that's not possible. <laughs> it's literally not possible. Yeah, also, he like, just uh, eats like r- like skinless chicken breasts and rice or something. While like he's doing like, uh, oh, yeah. you're talking about Batista or Batman? Because Batista, Batman, no, yeah. also. <laughs> Batman doesn't have it. Batman's not real. <laughs> he well, he does it while doing like, uh, like crunches upside down on the roof of his like mansion. So like, it's just different. The scale's different here, well, guys. You, you got to think of the DC universe. Like they have a version version of like not like venom but like the version of steroids that like don't have a real world like drawbacks he's gotta have some like magic like <laughs> like he's got like, he's gotta have a mystical gnc he goes to where he oh, gets yeah. like the batman supplements or whatever <laughs> the bat acupuncture yeah. <laughs> and they like they're able to electrocute his muscles to keep them toned <laughs> Perform- um performance fancy drug testing in the dc universe must be a nightmare could you like <laughs> do they have mma where they're testing people it's like oh <laughs> You have Joker got toxin in your blood. You got Titan in your blood. <laughs> you know that's banned. You know, and you tested positive for weed. What are you doing? You know, so. yeah. But uh, anyway. no, I'm just talking. I, I mean, maybe that's bothersome to to people who are uh, homosexual or who are um, are women who are ogle men. But I was definitely. Uh, it was just shocking the amount of bathing suits and the style of bathing suits a little bit in the movie. I just, I this is the first time in a long time this has ever like gotten to me. I actually like to the point where I was driving home. I was like, do I mention that on the podcast? Or does that sound weird? It's like, no, I think like I know who, who listens to our show. And like, I feel like that's something they'd want to know is to like, like that. That's just like present. Um, yeah, it was just an interesting thing. But otherwise, like I, I really like the movie. I think it's really funny. I think it's clever. I like I, I'm kind of an idiot in movies. Like I, I know how <laughs> movies go and how they develop. But like the idea that like I have no idea where it's going to go like that to me is great. And like just being sitting there like dumbfounded, like there have been countless times in the podcast where you went like talking about a plot line and you said, but everybody knew this is going to happen. And I'm sitting here <laughs> like, sh- uh, I didn't know. <laughs> nervously like clutching your knuckles and your feet. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Daniel's doing this to me again. <laughs> But like, I'll have these moments where like, I, uh, I suspect they'll go one way, but I think maybe the, the writer will be smarter and go a different way. So ultimately I don't know which way it's going to go. Whereas some people will go, I think it's going to go this way. It goes that way. And they go, aha, I beat you movie. I don't do that. I just like, I enjoy the experience. Um, I can explain a bit of that when we get into the spoilers, because there's a, there's just stuff that develops that like, it's going to go some way. You think it's going to go that way because of particular choices. Yeah, I like this cast of characters. I don't entirely remember the cast of characters from Knives Out 1, um, which I guess I could just call Knives Out because this one's just called Glass Onion. Um, But I did appreciate that these characters were very distinct from the last set. Um, Now, Ryan Johnson is still playing with the idea of like a smart man has to complete a mystery by the rich who objectively think they're smarter and better than everyone else because of their like stature and class 
And that carries over into this movie. It's very much present, although this comes at a more tech bro, Silicon Valley kind of angle, although we never really quite know what company uh, Edward Norton runs. I don't yeah, know the it, specifics it, it has of a it. name, but it's like it's a, but it's not it doesn't matter. It's an everything right? company. Exactly. It's yeah. Like you said, Steve Jobs, th- this is obviously more of a Zuckerberg because like Zuckerberg, I think even has like his own island at this point. Um, well, and, he's like, an amalgam of every rich yes, guy that that you, you don't like. Of. Yeah. Uh, and so it uh, which all hits fine, like all that stuff's great, like the irony of it all and how it all pays off. Like you said, the ending is is excruciatingly satisfying in how it like just satisfies everything that you want to see happen. Um and uh, yeah, it's it is a serious cl- crowd pleaser. It is a theater movie, um, unlike The Gray Man from this year, where Netflix is trying to make a theater movie to watch on your TV or phone at home, and it's a disaster of a movie. Like The Gray Man is so boring and so uninteresting and so tasteless. Not in terms of morality, but tasteless as in like it's like eating stale bread. It's just boring this is a movie where it's got everything you want from a crowd-pleasing theater movie but it's not going to theaters um i don't i don't know that's i find that really strange just because like like i i don't know i saw i saw it not in a crowded theater but in an engaged theater that liked it and there was good laughter and i you know you and i enjoy that i know some people don't enjoy the theater experience i love it so uh it's just um why not do that and why do it in such a weird way where it's like it'll be on the it'll be on for christmas but you could see it in theaters in february after you've already seen the movie <laughs> like it's so weird yeah to, to briefly talk about the crowd because your thing like when we're talking about theater experience like i'm not talking about like when everyone claps when you know <laughs> blorco walks the door or whatever yeah. this is like like my audience dug every joke in this movie. They laughed. It's at super everything. funny. And yes. it is a very funny movie. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's as funny as I will. I will mention like, as I mentioned, I had trouble finding like a good theater to see it in. So I ended up seeing like a 10, 30, 11 o'clock matinee. So the audience for the movie was um, mostly older couples. Like there I was at the same time. Yeah, it was older yeah. couples for me, too. And um, so you, did you we go to the co- same theater? <laughs> we went to the same theater. that would be wild if oh you my gosh. Theater. but um so yeah it was older couples which i think is partially why there was confusion at the netflix logo because they were just going to the movies <laughs> to see a mystery uh, movie they're like oh yeah knives out that was a good one you know and yes, they're like well, they might not know like, it's on netflix briefly yeah. they had a moment of like fear because like am i back at home you know uh uh but yeah, like they were totally down for everything. And you talk about cl- crowd pleasing, like this this cast of characters is all of the unpopular people right now. You have a detached celebrity who specifically can't stop tweeting racial slurs. You have um you have Dave Batista who's like a like a men's a rights bro. activist yeah, dude right bro guy. guy. You yeah. have um trying to remember everyone. You have a politician who just politicians just generally unpopular but specifically her entire platform is built on uh, environmentalism but she's gonna he's working with Edward Norton's character who is doing some not like environmental friendly things so it's like every unpopular person in the media right now so the fact the movie is constantly poking fun at these people my audience was all for that you know there's a catharsis to that where all the people all the snooty rich snobby people you don't like are getting their comeuppance you can take it down a peg and so like this played extremely well for my audience and yeah so it's like kind of a shame that it's getting sectioned off to streaming to talk about that like but also like we t- like right before in our patreon thing we're talking about like oh, we're getting kind of like the superhero movie which i know is not like an original thought to complain about the glut of them 
but you have a movie that is it's a a big franchise like it's it's a known property now which is hard to do it's a known property that's not a superhero movie these are relatively cheap movies to make and it has like a wide range of demographics it hits like film bro people like this movie all the old people in my theater like this movie couples just looking for a movie to go out and see like this movie this movie has stars you know, like you have a diverse cast of actors who have a, who are also have a wide range of appeal. Daniel Craig is a big name. You have Batista who gets in, and Jessica Henwick who's calling Wing on Iron Fist and was in the Matrix recent Matrix film. Mm-hmm. So you have movies, you have actors from science fiction and and whatever, and you have Catherine Hahn, and you have Ethan Hawke who came in from Moon Knight. <laughs> Ethan Hawke is in one scene, and you think he's being set up as like a possible co-villain, and he just isn't in the rest of the movie at all. He's very funny too. He's yeah. he's super good and he's like a minute of screen time so it, it's baffling this movie isn't being released more theaters because it's it's perfect for theater experience and this is a movie that could make money and appeal to a lot of people that you're not going to hit with the gray man or even a big superhero no. film no, so. no 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 enjoying this episode grab that share link and tell your friends word of mouth is the most effective way for a podcast to reach new listeners so don't be shy share the episode wherever you can did you watch The Gray Man? We didn't cover it on the podcast. No, I have zero I interest in watching that movie. So yeah, I put it on out of curiosity and because I was hearing it was bad and I, I had no idea it would be as bad as it was. I mean, it was really just like just a slog. I I, I think people were really surprised that it was bad because it was the Russo brothers. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I thought the signs were there. I like Civil War and I like uh, Winter Soldier. And I think Infinity War is okay. Uh, actually, I think it's really great. But like, I I think Endgame is less than okay. But like, the biggest criticism for that was that like it was them playing with characters nobody knows about, which all their previous successes are them playing with characters we all have relationships with. So it's like just very different dynamic. But yeah, here's Knives Out, where it's a much more dynamic and reachable thing. Like I think charismatic actors and characters in a mystery who've done it is just easily engaging to a lot of people. There's a joke in here about among us, like everybody likes this idea. Like, and so to not (laughs) just like be to, to not be something that we see more in, I think film uh, releases this year to have it be, to have whodunits treated like rom-coms they are now because rom-coms don't get releases at all ever anymore. It's like once every I think it's four a year when they used to do like 30 a year from different companies. Uh, this sort of stuff, it's obviously hard and complicated to make a mystery that's worthwhile, but I feel like something like this could be better. But before we get into the spoiler stuff, I wanted to at least mention, I because I think other people are watching the, they have watched Murder on the Orient Express, and they have also watched Death on the Nile, the Kenneth Branagh uh, pyro detective mystery things. And it doesn't require spoilers, so I wanted to include it here too. This movie, whereas Death of the Nile as a movie feels like, literally literally feels like the rich putting on the sh- a show for the poor because it's just so sad they're poor. They need to be happy sometime. We need to, we need to put on a show for them. Um, this movie is like actively not being nasty, but, but making jokes and chiding at that entire atmosphere of the rich. Uh, 
like literally you could almost see like uh ryan johnson pointing and laughing at uh at the Imagine video and going, I got to build a whole movie around <laughs> the, the type of people that would make that. And that's kind of how this feels, which is especially ironic when Death of the Nile has Gal Gadot in it as well, Gal Gadot, whatever. And um, yeah, it's night and day. I, if if you're listening and you've seen Death of the Nile and you go see this, I mean, it is the disparity is so big. I mean, that movie is brain dead. It is ridiculous. It is so bad. It is so boring. It is just terrible and then this over here is like world's different aesthetically almost similar but just obviously far more creative and enjoyable um yeah i don't you know maybe i answered my question right like why aren't there more mysteries and there are and they're bad <laughs> like it's just they're really hard to get along but yeah i i think this movie is good um i think if there's uh any more to talk about it might be just specific spoilers um and more dynamics but uh yeah i think uh i, I will say that like, catch it as quick as you can once it goes up definitely because it is a movie that also be will be easy to spoil so i would definitely recommend seeing it um as soon as you can but i to, it, in minor defense of the netflix release strategy this is a good it's christmas everyone's together in one place y'all are gonna sit around the tv and watch a movie together with your family yeah it's it's a good choice it's it, this it's will be a great so if you're if you're trying to pick a movie i definitely recommend this one as there it is it is that rare kind of movie that i feel like in a lot of ways does have something for everyone um it's funny it has moments of tension it it has an engaging mystery in it um like i said a good big cast of stars like there's a lot of great actors in this so it it is a good movie for that kind of like shared experience i my own my thing is i just don't get why they don't at least keep the limited release up until it hits netflix or something but two um, weeks like two weeks would have made sense but they only did one i think so it's just bizarre it's it's not like netflix doesn't need more money i, I don't know but um yeah I, everything kind of but I, I know what you're saying uh but yeah everything else to really talk about because even like the opening sequence of this movie which is terrific this movie has a great uh i've never seen a movie establish so many different characters so well so quickly they, they open it the same way as escape room although with a little more detail <laughs> i just want to put that out there this is but... this is your version of guys who's only seen boss baby uh moment um but like this movie's a lot of escape room in it um it does, the it, beginning but... is exactly like the first escape room movie uh, I'm going to everybody gets a box room. and has to open it. If they open it, they get access to it. It's an invitation. It's the, I mean, obviously it's not an original idea, but like it's a, it's the same guys. Which, which movie did it better? Escape room. hundred <laughs> <laughs> uh, percent. I would sooner want rewatch escape room just because it's more like French fry. Whereas like knives out is more like stuffed potato. Um, like in terms of like, <laughs> how easy it is to engage yeah the, the um, universal metric which we, which we judge do you say stuffed potato yeah like a stuffed potato like that takes a lot of work it's full it's too much whereas french fries i can just toss in my mouth man it's easy uh escape room for life give me that third movie um taylor russell you got to get out of that cannibal movie and get on with escape room three um, is taylor russell in bones and all yeah she's in bones and all oh okay uh, but but I guess we'll officially get <laughs> forget into forget the prestige <laughs> prestige like awards buzzy movie get back to the escape room franchise as quickly as you can. Hey there, listener! Want to influence the podcast? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support the show for three dollars a month. In doing so, you'll be able to vote on a movie poll that picks a film we discuss each month. 
So jump on over there and have your voice heard. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's officially do spoilers. So yeah, if you wanna if you don't wanna know anything about this movie in terms of specifics, we both recommend it. Obviously, um, I of course mentioned my my like minor 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 caveat. It's really just obviously up to you and your own willpower and ability to not leer and stare. But like, um, yeah, it's a good movie. Kn- Knives Out Two, Glass Onion, Electric Boogaloo is pretty good. Uh, but yeah, let's get into spoilers. Let's get to the specifics. Um, so first off, like talk about the opening sequence, uh, it's great in that it establishes kind of the way in which everyone puzzle solves. Um, but particularly with Janelle Monnier, like initially it's great because you see like this person who's just very practical and it's just, you know, they solve the Gordian knot with by just crushing it, you know. Um, but that is itself also deceptively that is uh that is foreshadowing because later we learn that Janelle Monnier's character is not who we think she is at first. Um, but yeah, this movie does, is great at characterization in that throughout the whole movie, you really have a strong sense of who each and every person is, which is difficult to do with such a big cast. And with, um, I mean, it's they're all the act, uh, characters are performed very well by a really talented uh, selection of performers. Uh, but even in that opening sequence, like you just get a real strong sense of these people. Janelle Monnier's character um, is a problem solver, but also is like very like a strong personality. Uh, who isn't necessarily playing by these people's rules. You have Kate Hudson's character, who is a complete idiot. <laughs> you have, who is helped by Jessica Henwick and Yo-Yo Ma in a very random cameo. Um, you have Catherine Hahn's character is intelligent and can problem solve. You have Dave Bautista's character who has moments of deceptive insight, but in the end also gets help from his mom. Who's, I can't remember the actor's name, but she's a terrific comedic actor. She's recently in um, uh, only murders in the building. Yeah, but she's she's I think she's a groundlings person, but she's been in like a million different small roles and sitcoms and stuff. Um, and so like that that opening sequence, like as it unfolds, like I, I don't know if you count it as a spoiler, but I think there's just a joy in just watching it play out where, you know, you see all these people go through all this trouble solving these boxes and then just cuss to Janelle Monnier's character, just just destroying it with a <laughs> with a hammer, um, yeah, which my audience good. thought was super funny. Um, but from there, like just watching the characters as they interact and as you slowly learn more about them and the, the history that all the characters have, which I don't know if you want to speak to that more just about like the shared history that everyone has. Yeah. So it's just revealed that um, essentially Janelle, so early as the film's developing, you're learning that there's a, uh, there's tension between Janelle Monet's character and Edward Norton's character. The two don't get along. The whole group does not get along with her because there was a lawsuit that kicked her out of the company from having any stake in it. And also, even though she started it with Edward Norton uh, through some paperwork and some legalese, she was able. To, she was completely cut off. So she doesn't get any profits, doesn't get any half of the company, nothing. And we don't learn any of the details until a little bit later when it turns out that Edward Norton's character... Um, in the past was not even a part of their group. They would always meet at a bar called the glass onion. And, uh, at some point, Janelle Monet's character introduces miles Braun as his name to the group. And everyone's kind of iffy about him, but he, but she's like, no, give him a chance. So it really shows her as a character being like a compassionate, kind, patient person with someone who's very annoying, pretty much from the start and not in a bad way. He's like annoying from the like uh, annoyingly pitiful kind of view where like it's, they're very low and it all 
and and Janelle Monet's character is reasonable to be just like, well, like they just need friends, kind of. And so uh, it's like you're you're starting to learn, like, okay, why did they split up? Well, he would have these ideas, she would feed them through the filter of the friends, and inevitably they would succeed. Also, Edward Norton's character's charisma would ultimately help everyone succeed in their own independent routes. He really helped with that. Um, he has a real tenacity and charisma, but then as things develop, it's basically revealed that all of the ideas he has aren't really his own. It seems to be that he kind of knows how to push them forward, but he never really comes up with anything on his own, which is evident with the fact that he's helping all the friends succeed because it was their idea to succeed with how they wanted to succeed. He just helps them get there. He's very Um, much the charismatic front man of the band while the guitarist and drummer and bassist all write the songs. Yes. And like in a way, like that's a a pivotal part of the group and they recognize that. But at some point, uh, Miles Brown wants to get into a particular form of energy uh, production, like a a new R&D and Janelle Monae's character is like, nope, not about we're not going to do that. It's too dangerous. So this is when the lawsuit takes place because she threatens to say like, look, if you try and do this, if you do this, I'm going to take half the company and leave and you won't be able to do anything. Uh, you won't be able to afford to do this and you could do other stuff, but not this. Um, so that's how they get kicked out, uh, later in the movie and the, where we are like on the Island as the timeline is, you know, not in the past. We're now in the film, um, Janelle Monet's character, um, and Daniel Craig seem to be getting along and they start talking. And at some point, Janelle Monet's character gets shot and falls down. This is after Dave Bautista's character has already died. Um, which really sets the plot in motion the, you're getting, it's about like 40 minutes of setting things up in characters. And they do this a lot better than in death of the Nile, where it takes like an hour and 10 minutes before anything happens. That movie's like <laughs> two hours long. It's crazy. Hey, don't forget. There's a lot of fun content missing from this episode because you're not listening on Patreon. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and support for $3 a month to gain access to uncut episodes with upwards of 40 minutes of bonus content each. You'll thank me later. The, the key, the keys here, the setup is entertaining because hey, the setup, there is minor like bits of information that you learn. Like yes. there's a moment where you learn Daniel Craig wasn't specifically invited by edward norton's character yes he's like why are you here and you're like he was invited and then he learns he was not invited and then we would later learn that he's there with intent um and uh after janelle monet's character quote unquote dies we go through a flashback where um janelle monet is revealed to the reason i've been using her actor name is because on imdb they list her as two names and i couldn't remember which one's which but basically um daniel craig had not been invited to the party he had been reached out to by i'm gonna say helen helen is the sister andy is the one who started the company with miles braun was kicked out of the company and then uh is shot but no what happened is helen went to uh bonoy blanc and said like i have a case i know she's not dead or she's dead but i know i i think he did it um, cause it turns out, uh, Andy's character was already dead before this Island happens so that when she comes to the Island, whoever must have killed her already knows this isn't right because she should be dead. Um, and, uh, so you then recontextualize the rest of the movie. They then continue from that point on showing how she got involved with the mystery. Any scene you saw prior, you see from a different 
angle and perspective. So it's really good stuff of like reusing scenes, probably frankly, really inexpensive because you just do the same shoot. Like you could do the same scenes in the same shoot. Um, so really clever there. Uh, and then you re catch up to the scene where uh, Helen ends up getting shot. And it turns out the bullet missed. It got stuck in a book that was in her like uh, chest pocket. Classic stuff. <laughs> so, and it's great. I, I uh, so this is one of those the situation where like I thought I knew where the movie was going, where it was going to set up because the first movie really sets up that the rich people um, view life as a game, and like it's not, it's life and death, and it can be miserable for some people. Um, that's Anna de Armas' character, or it can be like a game because you're so rich you don't have to worry about anything. That's the rich people. This movie then has everyone essentially doing the same thing where the, the initial prompting of the movie is that it's going to be a murder mystery game uh, and then murder actually happens. Um, but Benoit Blanc starts to get a, like bored of life because nothing's happening. So you can see him <laughs> wanting to gamify mystery. He's, so I was uh, expecting like he's sitting in a bathtub playing among us with and he's bad at it. Um, <laughs> like, Angela Lansbury, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar there's two other two other famous people like he's playing among us with first off getting angela lansbury in there uh was great she wrote uh murder she wrote and all those stories and this was her final film appearance she passed away before the, before the film came out um but yeah he's just like he's so bored and he's just looking for something to do um but then like uh general Monier's character shows up on his doorstep and explains the whole situation but and that what i what's really great about this reveal um is and this is the element that caught me off guard which is i mean janelle monier playing two different characters because initially i was a little disappointed with her performance because i quite like her she's very reserved she yeah. she's extremely reserved reserve is a great way to put it she had an amazing i think it was like 2016 2017 where she was in two movies she was in hidden figures and moonlight and both got nominated for best picture so quite a year and then here she's like, at first I was like, she's kind of overshadowed by all these other actors, which is weird given that she's playing a really important character. <clears throat> and then we have here, this completely recontextualizes both her performance and what she's been doing where it, she's been like, she's playing a person who's pretending to be someone else. And so yes. really um, Helen, Andy is not supposed to be there. <clears throat> Helen is there as Andy and yeah. everyone thinks it's Andy. And, and they're very different people fundamentally. So she's kind of doing her best to play like a rich hottie person. And she also is trying to relate to these people, but she doesn't actually know them. So she's doing her best to kind of fit in without raising too much suspicion. Um, and so it's like, it ends up being a murder mystery about a completely separate murder. And it adds like all these, they very quickly add all these additional layers of intrigue uh, and suspense very quickly and very efficiently where you know that someone on the island knows what's up the whole yes. time and so there's tension from that there's tension from well janelle Monet's character get caught and this is all happening while she's allegedly laying dying and so then you feel there's a moment where you're like oh daniel craig's character benoit bank blank must feel so bad is he got this woman yes. killed because he's bored because he was bored and he wanted to do this because it's like a game and so like and he recognizes it and so like yeah leading up to the, the gunshot scene i was thinking like what a good like way to now kind of recontextualize this lead character who's we're following these two movies from like like 
like it's the clever sequel idea that like the protagonists are part of the villainy like that that but then they don't do that which i think is better because it makes it a lot more fun <laughs> and, uh, uh, such a relief from the audience like you're like oh benoit blank's doing his thing and it's like they even it's a scene yes. with like appropriate level of comedic relief too, and it doesn't you know? like punish it doesn't punish him like we already get that it wasn't he gets it and they all know it that it was bad that that he go or that she go and all that stuff but it for the story i had to go like continue and so yeah, it's a good scene. And then, yeah, it's extremely funny because, um, well, just you'll see it in the movie. It's just, <laughs> we there's can't a particular thing with hot bit, sauce. It's very know, funny. Yeah. Um, which all the like references and name drops and stuff like that are all used in a way that just makes it much more satisfying with this movie. I thought I'm, a lot of the I'm going to ask you a question well. right now because we're thinking because of the specific hot sauce joke and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mentioned this is a movie that takes place specifically in pandemic times. Like characters show up wearing masks. And it it's weirdly good in the sense that it like it actually hand waves away other things that other movies have spent a lot of time explaining, where it's like, why are all these people eager to go on a remote island with people they kind of don't like? It's pandemic. They want to get out of the house. Like, you know, yeah. like why are they not quick why are there not more people around? Like, well, it's secluded island, it's pandemic, you know. Um, but the other thing is someone pointed this out, and I think it was interesting, which is this movie already feels almost like a period piece, right? Because it's it's very specific to 2020. Um, all the rules, like there's all these unspoken social things they're doing that are very 2020, but also like only in the first like 30 minutes, but, but then yes, like I know all of about. the characters are very of the now, like in 10 to 15 years is the idea of like a Twitch streamer who <laughs> like the way Dave Batista is, is that going to be like antiquated, you know, already or, oh yeah, I, you know, I, in terms of technology, it's, it's going to be behind soon. I actually, yesterday listening to a show, talk about, uh, AI created our uh, art and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and how I genuinely like this is the first time I thought of this and and felt so strong but I was like I think there's I think this will be just made illegal like to the point where like it's going to affect data collection it's going to affect like user generated or user manipulated media like the concept of YouTube I like I I was like because this is an AI that essentially steals content from other people to then make content for you like that's so wrong <laughs> like for me i interpret that as wrong i find ai generation stuff fascinating and i and i also see positives in certain areas but just all of that where like if if something like just because we're on the precipice of like data regulation being like like once a couple more, this is going to sound cynical. Once a couple more old people in the Senate die, and we have more young people, or at least internet savvy people in there, data rec- regulation is coming down. Unless there's corruption, which I'm sure there's some um, that keeps it from coming down. So yeah, some of this stuff, like being like somebody who's who's got a bad reputation because they sent an email not understanding what a sweatshop was or um or which i thought was great really joke. great that was a great joke um or like yeah twitch stream silliness or twitter related stuff um like all of that it's so it's, it's it, of the yeah now. it's it's, it's, it's so now. now but without yeah. being super nowy but it's enough that like it's like deceptive right like i, I really because like things like just just the more and more and more and more and more that comes out about like you give everyone access to the power to create content and you realize it's the worst thing you could have done like to an entire population and learning that actually like for all this film's criticism of classism um, in terms of the, the extreme rich to the to the poor or like with the last movie at least 
like hierarchies are helpful and like the concept of yeah the internet being like a, a flat line of that it's like it turns out it's not actually that good so yeah i i i completely agree and then adding on the covid stuff too which i appreciated i think um some movies do it very poorly uh some movies i think display it well like the bubble is probably one of the worst displays of covid pandemic stuff i've ever seen Kimmy is right up there because it's actually part of the movie. Like the fact that the lead actress, the lead character is um, agoraphobic and then they were getting better and then the pandemic happened. And so now it's like they need to grow and get out. Like that's part of the movie. Uh, This, I like that they do it, but in a way that's not necessarily about the movie. Like it's just part of it. And that feeds the characters a bit more. Hey, 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 we have some Patreon goals we're trying to reach. If we get enough support, we'll review each God's Not Dead movie, as well as The Inhumans, that really bad Marvel show from a couple years ago. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine and share your support. It's it's very it's relatable in the way that like the characters are experiencing the pen like it's like I feel like the 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 um the temptation is to really like go big with it as a subject matter. Yeah. Where you like, you really make this huge momentous thing or so overcome or you handle it poorly. But this is like the movie starts off like Benoit Blanc hasn't left his bathtub and because he's just like bummed out because of COVID like, yeah, ah, yes. Uh, finally, a character we all that. can relate to, you know? Yes. And yeah. it's like, and then you have these like rich people who are like Kate Hudson's characters having a massive party. And it's like, oh, that's okay. We're, this, we're, this is a pod. We're all in the same pod, you know? And like yeah. everyone's experiencing it differently, but it's like a real, like a grounded, like accurate, like representation of how everyone actually dealt with the pandemic. And so it immediately makes the movie and all the characters relatable, which again, like that tremendously great opening sequence where in addition to seeing how everyone puzzle solves, you see how everyone related, like dealt with the pandemic and like immediately you kind of gather everything you need to know about every character just from that. And then the, there's that sequence where everyone's meeting each other the first time and you can gather even more like like just like the ways in which they'll interact like post like not seeing each other after the pandemic for a while like all these little great little moments of characterization that i really enjoyed and that all leads up to you know the big spoiler that you keep trying to like explain but i keep interrupting with with my own it's thoughts, okay. which is the the moment where you think janelle monnier is dead and she is not um and they use this to their advantage before you get to the big everyone's one of everyone's favorite scenes in every mystery thing ever the detective gathers everyone in one room and explains the mystery um which it's great like i don't know if we want to really just get fully into like everything that's happening um but. actually i i say we don't need to i it's just really satisfying it's very entertaining it's funny it's extremely funny um like i said earlier like miles bronze character is sort of the 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 ideas slash cheerleader guy and that pays off extremely well at the end <laughs> um, with some really great laughs, um, including the fact that he takes ideas from Blanc himself. And so, yeah, it's um, it's a good it's a good movie. I, I really don't know what else to say. Uh, it's just got a lot to really enjoy. You'll have favorite characters. You'll have favorite scenes. Um, I look forward to whatever's next. And like you said, if it sounds like the two are just like, yeah, we'll keep doing these together. And like I scrolled down, saw what the um, what the budget was like. That wasn't a lot for estimated 40 million. Like that is pretty small. So Especially given things, like the cast, like how much of the yeah, like, how much should they pay everyone? Like, yeah, I especially know. I just I rewatched the um, red letter media um, 
Oh, it's that Adam Sandler movie. Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill, where it's like a $90, $80 million budget. And it's like, where did that money go? <laughs> like, what the heck? Um, and so, yeah, just the, the contrast here is just so... Uh, I mean, I guess different. they save money because there's not a lot of extras or side characters in this movie. No, no, there's not. So, not at all. And so, um, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good movie. What else it, can it's, you say? It's, 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 it's really solid. And, you know, I can see someone... I, I will say that, like, yeah, the the reveals, the twists, all that stuff. Um, some of them do take you by surprise, but like the joy of like this, like this says at the top, but like, the joy of mystery isn't necessarily that it's like an impenetrable mystery, but it's one that you can kind of follow along. Um, I think part of what makes this and the other Knives Out, uh, the first Knives Out film, so successful is you have a very talented filmmaker and a really talented cast executing all these beats, ex- like at optimal, like um, like um. But uh, like they execute them as like best as you can. You know, they're they're doing this. They're doing this. They're really, directed really well. well and they're acting. They're, well. they're hitting all those beats exactly the way you should hit them. And so mm-hmm. it's everything un, un, unveils the exact way it should. Um, they they hit every note correctly. So like even if it's not reinventing the wheel as far as a mystery uh, goes, you know, like I think if you're somebody who's read every um, murder, if you watch every episode of Murder, She Wrote, if you've read every single um <clears throat> like a Sherlock Holmes novel that exists or whatever. Like, yeah, some of the stuff might not necessarily catch you off guard, but it's executed supremely well. Like everyone is in tip top form here. And like, I really have few, if any complaints about anything. And um, yeah, <laughs> there is a final sequence where everyone starts kind of going, ha- uh, going, uh, going ham and it's super duper fun. And there's also, there's one side character that we haven't mentioned because I think he's just a sentient red herring where there's just, um there's i can't remember his name but he's in every ryan johnson thing like he's just a friend of ryan johnson's and he puts uh, noah segan all... uh, yes. the guy daryl just like shows up yeah and <laughs> yeah. you think he might be like a part of the plot and he just isn't it's it's one of the funniest running gags in the entire movie to me because he just keeps showing up but like right never up to the end much. of the movie right up to yeah. the end of the movie yeah it, it's always like just a reminder that there's like uh, the gag is that there's just another guy and he's going through a tough batch, spot, a tough spot. <laughs> and so now he's here to re- re- recover um, and he's just smoking weed and walks it's, around in his it's underwear. Deceptively, like, it's so funny. It's deceptively is foreshadowing because it's it is the exact type of guy Edward Norton would actually hang out with. Right. Like his character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's because uh, it probably it was him before he met. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. If if they revealed that that was his brother the whole time or something, I would have been surprised. Um, but yeah, so I guess we won't fully spoil everything as it is. The reveals are quite satisfying. Um, but yeah, everything everything unfolds the way it should. That was kind of my feeling at the end as the credits started rolling. It's like that is exactly what I wanted the ending to be. This is exactly what I wanted for all these characters. And uh, gosh darn it, I want I want more. Like my first thought. Well, I had two thoughts. My first thought was, man, I want more of this. Second is, it's good to go to the movies and see a movie. A like, real this movie is, this and is... not one that's just a CGI, like, conveyor belt, Black Adam, Marvel thing. Yeah. That's, what... for, that's for me, at least. It's nice. <laughs> what the youngins don't get is there was a time, and I'm going to get on my old person soapbox for a, se- for a second. Yeah, but you're so a, old. I'm super duper old. But there, there, no, there was a time where you go to the movies and... One week, you'd see a mystery movie. The next week, you'd see a legal drama. The next week, you'd see a rom-com. The next week, you'd see a movie about lawyers for some reason. Then the next week, you know. And then once in a while, you get a big blockbuster. Like, you get a Jurassic Park or, um, 
a Terminator a or dra- a Star Wars. A, a blockbuster that wasn't really made to be a blockbuster. That's the other thing. So, yeah, some of the blockbusters. Because like yeah. I, I watched Jurassic Park recently for like the semi first time like i keep saying it all the time but i can't remember if i saw it saw clips or whatever but i saw it it's my birthday movie that my wife got me um saw it in a theater she rented one out it was great um and uh i was thinking like yeah this was made to be a horror movie not a <laughs> like a horror science fiction conversation movie yeah, yeah not a yeah. blockbuster but I know why it's a blockbuster because it's also extremely fun well and and so, it's industrial like, light and magic doing their incredible work doing their good the, stuff yeah, um doing the lord's stuff. work is <laughs> doing the lord's say it's so, um yeah it's a uh, it does it just it just doesn't happen probably the most recent would be everything everywhere where it was a, basically a blockbuster but i mean it's still bit practically in theaters at this point i think that and like top gun but again top gun was made <laughs> top, top, top gun maverick is gonna just keep playing for, for months and months um yeah i was scrolling some publication like two days ago and like it said top gun maverick in theaters I'm like, what what are you talking still? about <laughs> yeah just recently i saw that it was i think i think they're probably buying a couple more screens just because of the oscars like i'm suspecting yeah just for well, i bet that like half the audience i saw knives out with like probably have next week they're just gonna go finally see top gun maverick you know like oh top gun i remember top gun you know if it but, if it goes back in dolby i'm definitely going again like that that movie's wicked i, I would so good I, I would not mind seeing that on the big screen again yeah i probably wouldn't great. watch it at home but i, I it's one of those movies that like oh yeah I, i'd see that in dolby or whatever but um but like when i when i'm saying like like when you were like oh blockbusters weren't, weren't meant to be blockbusters my first thought was you know like even in the late night early 2000s like a random comedy starring steve martin or something would make a hundred million dollars or whatever right. it'd be big yeah where you know you, you just in like that was a time like that was a and then like you would just go to the movies and superhero movies were kind of a novel thing they definitely started becoming like a big dominant thing like post spider-man and then there's like but even then like you had a bunch that were kind of bad and so they weren't like overwhelming the theater yet and so like glass onion like really felt like one of those it felt like a movie i go see with my grandparents because my grandparents used to take me to the movies like every week when i would mm-hmm. visit for summers and stuff and it felt like one of those and so like i had this nice warm feeling in my tummy while i was watching benoit block put clues together and then oh, we didn't mention but there's an incredible sequence um where the the fake murder mystery starts and benoit block immediately ruins everything it's one of my favorite scenes of any movie i've seen in a long time so oh it's a it's a great gag and it doesn't go on too long and it, and i'm glad it's not short either like it, it just sort <laughs> of keeps it's going it's really funny it's it's well uh, done oh it's so great and, and um, the immediate like, reaction from edward norton the second it happens <laughs> i was really happy about that it was great so and gillian was, flynn tweeted and she was like i love the knives out movies and wouldn't you know it? I get mentioned in one of them. <laughs> like she was super happy about it. So <laughs> but that makes me happy. Yeah. Good, 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 good stuff. Did you know cinematic doctrine has a blog? Visit cinematicdoctrine.com to read extended thoughts on movies or movie industry news from our contributors. Plus you can find our podcast on there too. I, I, I okay. Uh, <laughs> I guess we'll go into recommendations um what do you got what what's your recommendation for today Ooh, um uh recommendation for today uh so there's two two quick things first i'll just mention um that i'm looking for 
opinions on chainsaw man so if you if you if you have watched or read it uh please join the facebook group and and share what your feelings are on it because i'm very curious uh the other thing is i'll mention that the podcast the bulwark goes to the movies um they're another movie podcast um they have an episode where they interview somebody who talks about who wrote a book about how spider-man became a huge uh, powerful force in Hollywood and it's a great interview and it get, does give insight into this whole superhero thing that we're talking about so much. So if you're, if you're sitting there going, Hey, I'd like to hear more about superheroes for some reason. Um, definitely check out uh, that podcast. Oh, very cool. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll finish us off with, uh, <laughs> I'm going to recommend roller coaster tycoon Two, baby. Uh, it is <laughs> so good. <laughs> it is so good. Uh, I probably like, I it's, it's every couple, every couple years I reboot it up and I go through all as many scenarios as I can. I probably put in a couple, couple tens to a hundred hours every time this happens and uh i lose track of time it is one of the only games where i'll lose track of time like i'll i'll play dark souls for a long time and i'll lose track of time but i'll be aware of it this game is one where like i don't even think about it and like i'll just like i i almost was late to this recording i like i was just like in the middle of doing a scenario and then i look down it's 259 i'm like uh, uh." (laughs) so um so no the we we uh, really can't recommend anything huh What? I spent so no, much time looking great. for new things to recommend. I, I don't know. I'm just like, you guys should check out RoboCop. You guys see RoboCop? It's sick. I recommend yeah. new things all the time. I just, this is what I'm going to recommend. I now. know, but like, <laughs> it's the holiday too. season. What more could you want than a $3 game at this point? It's great. It's every, so much every, fun. Every kid on Christmas wants to wants to wake up, go into the tree, and find a copy of Roller Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> them, and they uh, probably haven't played it yet. And then when they will, they'll go, true. this is great. This is a really good game. They're like, we're all playing I've literally been playing. It's awesome. I've been playing this game since I was a kid, and it's still good. It feels great. It just looks so good. It sounds good. It's a great game. So that's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm recommending. Roller Coaster Tycoon Two. Are you gonna like next week? Are you gonna recommend like Sid Meier's like Zoo whatever. Tycoon, Zoo um, <laughs> Alpha Centauri? Yeah. I could do that. My dad played a lot of that. Uh, no, just just Roller Coaster Tycoon Two. Just that one. He says as his hands start to clench and. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.